0: Is bringing order out of chaos. When you think about the the the, the earth it, when it was first created, it was without form. It was void. There was darkness. And when you look at that without form, I think one of either I don't remember if it was without form or void. It, it speaks of almost like the idea of chaos. I mean, it's just there's nothing. There, there, it's just a blob. Okay, God brings order out of chaos. That's what He does always. Exodus 20, verse 12. Let's see if you've ever thought about this verse this way in, the, in the, one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. Now we always, we, we, we remember the part about long life. We understand that, right? So it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the commandment with promise there, with a, with a promise attached. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. Listen, upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you this was this was a this was a command for social order. when you think of the, the, the Jews you now if you want to go back and look at when the children of Israel came out of, came out of egypt, they'd been in slavery for four hundred years today we we kind of see a picture of something in this that when when the Soviet Union failed russia they, they didn't know how to they didn't they didn't make it they didn't it, you would you hope that was going to teeter on into. True freedom and democracy—they didn't know how to. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to do it, and they didn't have the word of God. If they had the word of God, they could go back to the Old Testament because God brought the children of Israel out, and He gave them everything they needed. He told them how to have a society and how to be free and how to function. He gave them everything they needed. And the promise here is that, that honor your father and your mother. That's that's order. That's structure. That's societal people doing the right things in society. You see what's happening today. They're doing all they can to make fathers and mothers irrelevant. It's, it's, the, it's the God state. The government wants to run your, your life. They want to they control your children. They want to indoctrinate your children. They want, they want your children to think you're idiots and imbeciles and, and you're stupid because you have these archaic beliefs I'm not talking crazy talk, folks. This is this is I'm speaking truth. God spoke that God brought order for society. God is a God, and so 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty three. Y'all know this verse: for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. That's uh, that's the New King James, the uh, the hardcore hardcore Southern Baptist. Version The HCSB that says, uh, since God is not a God of disorder, so there's the word disorder, but it's, he's not the author of confusion. God is the author of order. He, he, he's not a God of di- disorder and confusion. And so when you see these things and, and as we're going through revelation, here's, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that we're not going through the tribulation. We're not. If we if you're a believer, we're going to be raptured out before then. But as you see, this, we're we're running up to this. Now I've shared how there's there's no way all the, there's no way you go, you don't go from zero to a hundred that way, right? So from, it, this thing's going to be running pretty wide open when the Lord calls us out of here. And you talk about it. You, then the floodgates are really open when 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 the presence of the church is removed. And you think we, things are bad now. And it will, it will be so fast how quick things are going to change. But, but watch. So as you look around, if you, if you look, and here's where we've got a lot of Christians today. Man, we're so busy just living our lives. We might as well be an ostrich. Just stick your head in the sand and ignore everything going on. But if you look around, you'll see that, that Satan is working like crazy. This is, this is the things that are going on. And, and there again, I encourage you. I encourage you all that are, you have kids. I love Mondays. We, we get kids over here from the public school. And any of you go, hey, I'm free on Monday. I'd love to come help in, in, Bible, in Bible school. Bible school. What do we call that? Bible club. Monday Bible club. We've named it a couple times. It's only been Bible Club for about three years now, but a little hard for me. Um, I love getting those kids over. We've We've got about 29 kids registered. We've been averaging about 23, 24 over there. Last year, by the end of the year, we had about 12, 13 coming. But every kid that's there wants to be there. They love it. I'm, I mean, I'm just blown away. These kids, they want to hear the Word of God. And they have questions. They have great questions. And we're just working through the Scriptures and teaching these kids. But we've got them for, you know, we're teaching them for 30 minutes. We've got them for an hour and a half. Uh, some of these kids, that's all they get, Bible, every week. That's it. So you, Christian parents, you got your work cut out for you. You got you got extra work you got to do because because of what's going on in the school. So Encouraging that, just but look around, look around, and you can see what uh, you know. And, it, and it's it's the useful idiots, because there's a lot of people that really don't even know they're being used, that they're just pawns of Satan in what they're doing. And it's the it's it's I see dem- demonic oppression, open, uh, possession. You see how some of these people act. There's no no doubt in my mind it's demonic. So, we got a lot to pray for, and we got a lot of work to do. Amen? Amen? Got a lot of work to do. All right, well, let's pick up where we left off last week. We're in Revelation chapter 5, and uh, we got to verse 3. We started with the dragon. I'm not going to have much time. I've run my mouth a lot tonight. So we've got the dragon, verse 3 and 4, and, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and, and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so the, the, we, we worked through this, who that is. We've talked about the beast, that the dragon here is Satan. And we've looked at the names. Um, and, and then we, and we're looking at this part where he's, he's ready to devour. He, he's ready to devour. So where I left off last week was right here. So Satan has always been a murderer. Amen. Always. Uh, you can go back to John chapter 8, verse 44 and, and read that. You'll see that. And so now he seeks to destroy Christ. That has been his goal. During Old Testament days, Satan did all he could to keep the Savior from being born. He, he wanted to prevent that. When Jesus was born, Satan tried to kill him, right? And, and uh, we, we saw in the video last week and he, he talked, and I know what he was saying. I don't think he was saying that Herod was the, the beast here. He was the dragon. But Satan is certainly a tool. I mean, uh, Herod was certainly a tool of Satan trying to kill Christ, trying to kill the Messiah, the, the, the God incarnate, trying to do that. Uh, Satan tried to tempt Jesus and, and cause him to fall in, in the, the temptations in Matthew 4. Uh, the Jews at Nazareth tried to push Jesus down the hill of the city that, that, that the city was built on to destroy him there. That was Luke chapter 4. And who do you think would be behind that? Now, who do you think? It's Satan. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't like what he had to say, but why do you think they didn't like what he had to say? Because they're not God's children. And, and, and they're against, Satan is influencing them. He is, he is working that. And we see the same thing today in, the, in this working all around. Satan is at work in this system, his system, that, that it's is to oppress anything that has to do with God, marriage. We talked about it Sunday. We're we'll going to talk about it again this Sunday. Y'all pray for me. I'm going to tell you, I I have never, I have never in now I've been preaching, pastoring here for I'm going on five years now. I have never struggled. Probably, man, struggle may be the right word. This is probably the hardest passage I've ever, ever had to preach, and. And some of you ain't going to like me, Sunday. I'll just tell you, some of you may not like me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak the truth, okay? I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak it as, as God has given me conviction for it. I'm going to share with you what others say, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tell, tell you some things that some of you aren't going to like, but it's for our good. It's for our good going forward because marriage is the first institution that God created. Amen? Amen? Do you think he takes it serious? When we look at it, he takes marriage very, very seriously. And, and even Sunday we looked at how, how people because of hard hearts, it's been compromised. It's today. Folks, that's not just in 2000, back, back 2,000 years ago, and it's not back when Moses was given the law. It, it, from 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 the from the garden from the institution, from Satan has done his best to, to tear that down. And the problem we have today is within the church. We don't have much different view of marriage than the lost world does. We don't have much of a different view on that of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. So, y'all pray for me, me cause man, you know what? You ever read? You ever read stuff? And you read what folks write. You know, read a lot of commentary and stuff. You ever read stuff and go. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't doesn't match with what he says over here. This doesn't match with what he said here. That verse doesn't even apply to them. How can you say it that way? That doesn't even apply there. And so I've had a whole lot of that. Because all you got to do, this is kind of like Revelation. If you read 10 people, you're going to get 10 different opinions on some stuff. You can tell what's been on my mind for the last two weeks, okay? Satan's behind all that. He's behind trying to destroy Christ. He's behind everything that's going on today trying to destroy anything God blesses. John 10, 31, the angry Jews took up stones to stone him. You know Satan was behind that. Uh, Judas, betray, his betrayal of Jesus. We know Satan was behind that. Uh, when, when the mob is being stirred up and they scream Barabbas. You know, we know the Pharisees were out there. And the Sadducees, we know that group, that pit of vipers was out there stirring them up. But who do you think was behind that? Satan. Because if he can get, well, I'll kill him. If we can get him killed, if I can get him killed, boy, I'll stop all this. He just didn't know. He's playing right into the Lord's hands. You know, during his earthly life, Christ was attacked by Satan in various ways, and it culminated there in the cross. Satan, Satan has attacked Christ, but Satan also attacks the Jews. And the 144,000 that we've looked at in the past, they'll be protected because they are sealed by God. And, uh, but the other Jews will also be cared for by God. And if you go back to, to verse 6, uh, if you open there in chapter 12, look at verse 6. It says, "...then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days or, or three and a half years." And perhaps the day right there in that that verse, it refers to the Gentiles who cared for the Jews at that time. And you can go back and read, if you want to make a note of this, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. You can can read that. It it references this time. Um, Jesus told the believing Jews to flee when the Antichrist was revealed. That, that's in Matthew 24, verses 15 through 21. And th- you, you note that there's this, this parenthetical admonition right there in verse 15, and it refers to the reading of the word. And so here's the thing. When, when, Christians, when Christians are, when we're taken out, when the church is gone, what is still going to be here? Hey, good job. Good job, Cliff. You get a gold star next to your name tonight. Uh, The Holy Spirit will still be here. The Holy Spirit's not going to leave. The church is going to be gone, but the Holy Spirit will still be working. But they will have the Word of God. And they're going to come to the Word of God. And they're going to read that passage of Scripture, and it's going to tell them what to do. There's instruction in there for what they're to do. So so we have to believe they're going to do that. So they're going to read that, and they're going to know what they need to do. Um, Matthew 24, verse 16 then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. There's instruction there. They're to flee. They're to flee out of Jerusalem. Luke 21, verse uh, 21 says the same thing. And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Uh, Zechariah speaks of this time. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses rifled, and the, women's ra- the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. So we, we, we see here, and we're going to come back to that in a moment. Uh, we'll talk some more about that. They're fleeing into the mountains and maybe where they flee to. The second point, that was all part of point one with looking at the woman and then looking at the beast. And then we have part two. Part two. Looking at verse 7 through 12, we see the war that goes on here in heaven. And I'm going to read these, these verses 7 through 12. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of earth and of sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Now that word great wrath there, it actually means a boiling rage. Now you can understand being, when we say great wrath, we get an idea. When I say boiling rage, you know, you picture that, right? You understand, you understand exactly what that is because he knows that he has a short time. So the first two chapters of Job make it clear that Satan now has access to heaven. And Zechariah chapter 3 reveals that Satan accuses the saints before the throne of God. Now when you read in that, read in Job, and, and you can go back and reference that if you haven't read that book or if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, Satan comes into the presence of God. And when he comes into the presence of God, it's interesting as you read that context because Satan never speaks to God before God speaks to him. He does not come in there running his mouth. When God addresses him, Then he responds. And that's where, even then, he's accusing. He's accusing. He accuses God. You've protected Job. He accuses Job. Job doesn't love you because of of who you are. Job loves you because of what you've done for him. There's accusing. There's that going on. So Satan has access to heaven. Don't understand that, but we understand. we, we We understand it. I don't understand it. You know what I mean? I mean, I believe it. I know it. That's what's true. But it's hard to, to fathom that and to understand that. So in the middle of the tribulation, Satan will be cast out of heaven to the earth. And it appears that Satan and his hordes will now be bound to earth, no longer allowed access to God and no longer allowed to roam the creation. So, you know, now the, the, they're, they're free. They're running around. He's working everywhere. That's going to change. And he's going to be, you, you, you want to know why he's boiling mad? Because a, a lot of what he's been doing and wanting to do has been stopped. Uh, we'll talk more about this. But the accusations, that the, uh, the accusing of the brethren before the Lord, that's going to stop. Michael is the archangel assigned to protect Israel. And uh, we see Michael there in verse 7. And, and uh, we understand that, that he's, this, this, he's got special assignment to Israel. Because we see that in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, verse 21. We see it in chapter 12, verse 1. We see it in Jude 9. And his name means who is like God. What a great name, right? Michael has a, has a great name, who is like God. And so we see the, the, the special ministry that he has. And uh, so Satan is in heaven. He says, I will be like the most high. We've, we've read that. I think we read that last week or week before. Satan's, Satan's pride in his, well, I'm to read that. I want to read this again. This is what, kind of what we ended up with last week. Isaiah 14, verses 9 through 15 says, Hell from beneath is excited about you. Remember me saying that? Hell is excited about Satan coming. And I think it's because hell wants to get a hold to Satan to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you, all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. They all shall speak and say to you, Have you also become as weak as us, as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to shoal, and the sound of your stringed instruments. The maggot is spread under you, and worms cover you. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to shoal to the deepest depths of the pit. I love that. We know what's going to happen to him. Amen? We know what's coming. So, so Daniel battles there. We, we've got Satan who says, you know, I'll be like the Most High, but God defeated him, and now Satan is cast from heaven. Verse 9 describes him as the serpent, which takes us back to Genesis chapter 3, right? It means, it means a snake. Uh, figuratively as a type of a sly, cunning, an, an, art of, or an artful, malicious person. That's the idea there of that word, the serpent. It's, it's a snake. The word devil means traducer. Now, I'll tell you what that word means in a moment, but that also means false accuser, slanderer, accuser, which ties it to verse 10 and to Zechariah Zachari- chapter t- uh, 3. So a traducer is one who maligns another by mocking, malicious, or making malicious and false or defamatory statements. That's what that word. That's what that word means. How many of you knew what traducer was before tonight? I'd never even heard it. But that's one of the meanings of that of the word. Devil is a traducer, and that's what that means. One who maligns another by making malicious and false or defam- def- defamatory. Uh, defamatory statements. And that's what Satan does. That's what the devil does. And the word Satan means to oppose or to act as an adversary. So those are the names that are given to him in verse 9. And, and so that, that's who he is, and that's what we see in him. Uh, so, so we truly have a great enemy in Satan. He is a great enemy in heaven. Satan has been accusing the saints, but the saints have overcome him with three weapons. Verse eleven says, "And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death." The first, the blood of the Lamb, it gives eternal life, with sins all paid for, and knowledge of this, and dependent on it, and dependence on it gives peace and daily victory. Amen. First chapter, uh, first chapter. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, through, through chapter 2, verse 2. When you read that, we see, we see the, the, the forgiveness that we have through the blood of the Lamb. Look, when I was born again, Jesus' blood covered my sin. It has been covered, it's paid for, once for all, it's done. But when I mess up, I need to get that right. I need to confess my sin. And when I confess my sin, you know, have you ever noticed that in Scripture, we don't have to go to, back to the Lord and ask for forgiveness? No, We do but we're already forgiven, right? When you were born again, all your sin, what sin was forgiven? Oh, all of it. That's exactly right. Past, present, and future. But see, there's a lot of people that struggle with that, Jason. There's a lot of people still that struggle with that. And they have this mentality that when I, when I got saved, you know, all my sin up to this point was forgiven. And then maybe if I mess up and stumble here, you know, going forward, bah, that's not forgiven. I got, how do I work through that? No, all my sin... The sin that I, I, I can't, couldn't even imagine right now, the sin that if five years from now, you said five years ago, if you, five years ago, would you ever dream you would, would have done that? No, never would have. So that stuff five years from now, 10 years from now, if the Lord chairs, whatever, everything I do from here forward has already been forgiven. It's all forgiven. But we do have to get the relationship right, right? So my kids, my kids don't become, not my kids because they make a mistake or they do something and. You know, they disobey me or whatever. They're still my children. I still love them. But if my son lies to me, we got a problem, right? If he, if he, if he lies to me, we're going to have an issue. Is Jesse in here? <laughs> Golly, he is in here. Plug your ears. He They hate this. They hate it. They hate being the preacher's kid because, Dad, you... And I'm not, I don't even know what the, I'm, I know the example, but I don't know what it was. Something happened this week, and the last week, and I had to get on him a little bit. I don't have to get on him much. That's a, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. He ain't a kid anymore. He's a big old strapping young man. But something happened, and I had to get on him a little bit, and I said, you know, that ain't, that ain't, what, well, that ain't right. And, and, and I'm going to give him credit. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't bow up. He didn't mouth off. He, he, he went away for a little bit and it wasn't long he came back and he, and he, and he apologized. And he said, Dad, I'm sorry, I, sh- I shouldn't have done that, that or I shouldn't have said that. Whatever it was, I don't, I don't, see, I've forgotten it. I'm not God. It ain't as far as the east is from the west, but I can't, I can't recall it. And I don't think it's because I'm so good. I think it's because I'm getting old. I can't remember what he did. But the Lord forgets it, right? But, but when we, what we do is we confess, right? We confess our sin. And that's when we agree with God. Folks, if you never confess with God, if you never confess that something's a sin, you're not gonna be forgiven of it. It's not gonna be cleansed. You gotta, you gotta confess it. You gotta agree with God. That's why when we, even as a believer, we read the word, we read something, and go, oh, man, that's me. That's me. Lord, that's me. I'm doing that. Or I haven't been doing that. Or I did that. Whatever. Lord. I, I agree with you. That right there, that's sin. That's wrong, Lord. I confess that to you right now. And, and I ask for cleansing. I ask every, I'll pray often. I say, Lord, creating me a clean heart because every day my heart gets dirtied up. Creating me a clean heart, God. And, uh, and he will. He's faithful to do that. Um, so the blood of the Lamb, the word which assures us of forgiveness and is the sword of the Spirit. Amen? That's the second thing. And then the third was their surrender that they would rather die uh, than obey Satan. That that's where we ought to be as believers, right? First, uh, uh, James four seven says, "Therefore, submit to uh, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you." I've always said this. You know, which is stronger? Which is your greatest? Uh, which is your greatest enemy? Y'all know the answer to this. Who's your greatest enemy? Yourself. 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 So we have three enemies, right? Scripture is very clear. We have three enemies. We have this world system. We have Satan. Now, a lot of people would say, Satan's your greatest enemy. Satan's not your greatest enemy. And I'm going to tell you why. You'll, you'll see this in a moment. And then you have the flesh, our own flesh. Well, that scripture right there says, submit to the Lord and resist the devil. And if you resist the devil, what will he do? Flee. Flee. Now, when Joseph was tempted with sexual sin... What did Joseph do? He fled. Why? Because he knew his flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. And it's our greatest enemy, our own own flesh, the struggles that we would have. And man, if there's something there that's a temptation for you, get away. You don't just stand there, I'm stronger than this. No, but we we can do that with Satan. We can resist him. And so if you feel like there's something that's not my flesh, it's something that Satan's doing, that's a great time to go to prayer, quote scripture, start singing a Christian song, uh, just calling the name of Jesus, whatever, because he ain't going to like that, and he'll get out of there when you resist him. How many of you raised your hand, you've been through a time where you had something going on and you resisted, and you're struggling, you're struggling, you feel it, you feel it, you resist, and and boom, it, it ends. Because he flees, right? So, so that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. But if we, if we get to a place, if we get to a place in our lives where we'd rather die than please Satan, what would happen? We party in heaven. But but think about the everyday, our everyday life. If we if we would get to that place where we we're, we're more concerned with pleasing God to the point of death, because I do not want to do what Satan wants me to do. Would we not look at scripture different? Would we not walk each day different? You know, one of the things I struggle with and I think about I think about the I thought about it I think about it a lot of mornings. Jesse gets up and he's gone before we get up. He he leaves the house about now about what about, about t- quarter to five quarter to quarter to six. So he leaves out about a quarter to six, and I'll get up some mornings and he's on the road and I just I think man did did I did I spend enough time even last night when I had time to talk did I spend enough time talking to him? How I many of you get busy? I mean, a lot of times he comes in, you know, from work. I'm, I'm, I'll be studying. I study a lot of evenings. I'm sitting in the easy chair, and I'm reading, and I'm studying. And I, and I think, did, did I spend enough time? Did, was I intentional enough? You know, if we get to that place to where we're more concerned with pleasing God than anything else, you know, when we face truth of Scripture, we won't buck it. We won't push back against it. We, we, we won't do the yeah buts. Right? When we really get to that place where we go, if that's what God says and that's what, he, that's what he, if he said it, he meant it. And I want to please him and I want to submit to the word. Wow. Now I'm not implying that we're not spiritual in here because we got a spiritual group. we got a great church that loves the Lord. Well, what if we've got that, that intentional in our faith? It'll affect everything. It'll affect everything. It, it, it can revolution. I mean, it just... I had a quote that just came to mind. I wish the quote came to mind. The knowledge of a quote just came to mind. And I don't know if it... Booth maybe or somebody like that that said it has yet to be seen... Todd, you probably know this quote. It has yet to be seen what one man totally surrendered to the Lord... Could could do could could accomplish. I know the quote you talked about, but I can't quote it. For it was James Wilkes Booth. So, no. <laughs> 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 I think maybe William. Was it William Booth? <laughs> yeah, you know, when he was getting ready. Oh, <laughs> um, I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think there's a lot of truth in that. It, I mean, if we just really just get absolutely totally submitted and committed to the Lord. It can revolutionize our faith, our lives, our testimony, our influence. Amen. Amen. This time goes so fast. All right, so looking at that there's joy in heaven because Satan is defeated but there will be woe on earth. And Satan's time is short. He's got three and a half years at this point. There's three and a half years, and his, his rule is going to come to an end for a thousand years. Um, and he, he's going to be cast into the pit. All right, so we'll get to uh, verse 13 next week, and we will finish up verse, uh, chapter 12 next week. Then the following week, we have our, our uh, Thanksgiving meal. So next week, we'll be in here. The following Wednesday night is our Thanksgiving meal. And prepare for this, and I, I encourage you to be here. So, uh, Wednesday, a week before Thanksgiving. Now, you would think it ought to be Wednesday night before th- the Wednesday night of Thanksgiving. It's not. We do it the week before, because everybody's got plans Thanksgiving week. So, we do it the week before. We'll have a Thanksgiving meal. We're going to have turkeys and hams. Then we'll, we'll provide that. We're going to ask you to cook. I'm sure it's probably an email going out soon. And uh, so some of you will cook and prepare, help prepare for that. And we bring all our food. We have a great time. We'll have a little devotion in there that night. Uh, That's the Wednesday night. Then we'll have Sunday service. And then um, Sunday night. Or is it Tuesday night? I made the... uh, We'll get the calendar out and remind you. 13th. It's... It's one of those nights, either Sunday night or Tuesday night. We've done it on Tuesday night before, but we may have moved it back to Sunday night. But we're going to do our give thanks service. Is it the Sunday night? I thought we had moved it, and here I am going, because we've done it on Tuesday night the last couple of years. But we backed it up to Sunday night, and it's our give thanks service. And we'll have a short devotion to start that. We'll have a little worship, and then it's just a time for you to praise God. You to publicly praise the Lord for what He's done in your life this year. It's a great time. And when we come together, I mean, it's, we're going to have an open mic. You can come up and share. And I encourage you, come take part in that. Be a part of that. It is a blessing every year when we do that. And then we will not have a Wednesday night service